0: It's lunchtime in Central Texas.
1: What are we having? Uh, it's just your standard regular lunch, I guess. Milk. PB and J
2: with the crusts cut off. Well, Brian, this is a very nutritious lunch.
1: All the food groups are represented. Did your mom marry Mr. Rogers? Uh, no, Mr. Johnson.
0: Huh. Time for the press box. Here's your host, Ward Weitz, along with Aaron Sexton.
3: And it is lunchtime in Central Texas. Hello, everybody. Glad to have you along here on this Thirsty Thursday as we get ready for game day. We have games. Yes, we do. Thursday night football. Not
2: great ones, but we have games. They're both pretty bad. There's one college and one pro, correct?
3: There is, uh, well, I think there's more than one college, isn't there? Let me there's see. There's a couple of college football games. Yeah, I think so, games. but no, uh, there's only one. Okay,
0: uh, yeah, and it's not very good.
3: Georgia State and Coastal Carolina. Right. You gonna stop down for that? I am not. Oh, I will, okay.
2: I, I will watch part of the. I will watch the first half of the NFL game for fantasy purposes. It should be <laughs> of course about. You will. It should be about <laughs> thirty to three at halftime. I think. Okay. So I'll turn it off then. If not, if, if it's closer, I'll keep watching. But I just don't think that the Giants have anything for the 49ers.
3: It will be the New York Giants in San Francisco 49ers tonight. seven fifteen kickoff on Prime. Do you, do you like the the aspect of Prime? Yes and no. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't want to hedge, but
2: I'll tell you why. Go ahead.
3: I don't because if I want to see what's going on somewhere else, I have to get out of Prime, go to regular TV, then find the guide and go to that. And then if I want to do that, I have to log back into prime. And it's really not hard to log out. I mean, you're sure, say, sure. but you have to go from apparatus to apparatus. Is, does that make any sense? And it's just not, it's not as smooth as I want it to be. And the other thing about my prime for some reason, and it doesn't matter. I, I've got several TVs that have it, but it doesn't matter which one I use the audio on prime. Is not very good.
2: Yeah, no, you're right.
3: It's real low or something. It's just and if I if I put it on uh, on one TV, I have to turn on the surround sound for it to be where I can hear the audio at a level that I want to hear it at. It just doesn't. the The audio's not very good coming out, and it's not like that for movies or right, documentaries specifically or Thursday yeah, night it's football just, it's just this Thursday night football that the audio is not very good and I don't know why I can't figure it out and it's driving me nuts personally
2: yeah um the uh, one thing I don't like about Amazon and this being a former bartender this is a problem I know it both of my uh, former jobs is showing it at bars when it's on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. because your commercial it's not like with other it's well,
3: not like Direct TV that you pay that fee, where right? Where you, you can pay more it. to
2: show commercially. I don't know that they even have anything set up where bars can show it. I'm like not you sure could either. probably log in with your own, but I don't know if that's legal to show. You know, I don't
3: I think uh, you just ratted everybody out.
2: Well, I don't know that anybody <laughs> shows the Thursday night games yet that I know of. I it
3: haven't seen not, them on. I don't. But for that so reason, that's. And but that's, I don't go, so I don't know. Right,
2: uh, and for that reason, so I don't like that. I don't same. I don't like having to exit out of an app to go to another game. Which, especially if ESPN or or Fox has a good Thursday night college game, mm-hmm. it won't matter tonight because I don't care about Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. Come on, man! But <laughs> most Thursdays there's at least one good college football game, and. I, I'm with you on that. I don't like having to exit out of the app. And for right now, I just, I'll watch the one, whichever is the better matchup. I'll watch on my big screen and then I'll just have the other one on my phone.
3: It's not ideal, but it works. It works. Yeah. I, I'm one of those, I, you know, get off my lawn, kid, please. <laughs> I can't watch anything on my phone. I got you. Uh, unless it's, you know, a little short clip of something. Right. That's okay. just highlights or something. Yeah. yeah. The only time I'll watch something on my phone is if I'm in an airplane traveling. And, you know, you're kind of limited to that right. at that time. But I'm not that guy that can sit in my living room or in my man cave and have something on my phone. I I just, I go with the two or three TVs. Right. You know, I've got, I've got it where I set up. I can watch separate TVs, but... I, I just – I don't know why I can't. It just – I get um, uninterested real quick trying to watch something on my phone, especially like a game or something like that.
2: No, I get it, and I'm with you. I, I can't do it for long stretches. That's okay. why I usually – So it's the just same. not me. No, no, it's it's me too. And I always – like I, I'm an iPhone guy, but I always get the regular iPhones because that's as big as I want my phone to be. I don't get the Pro because I think it's too big, mm-hmm. but it also – Makes your viewing experience; it lessens it, obviously, because yeah. the screen isn't as big. It's, have you
3: seen those it, new folding phones that fold out to almost the size of a tablet? Yes,
2: yes, the new Samsungs.
3: I don't know that I could do that, and mean, I'm afraid it might break and fall to pieces. Right, I I'm have. Not, f- I'm not very confident in that yet, but I might could watch it on something like that. Yeah,
2: yeah that that would be. I would give that a shot. Absolutely. Yeah. So.
3: But the but, the, the tiny screen. Yeah, maybe I'm just Yeah, going.
2: no, I'm with you. I it's, I don't I don't like it, but I I keep it on and then I can go back and, and watch big plays, you know, and mm-hmm. do a little rewind. So
3: No, I don't have a problem doing that. What do you think about the uh the Thursday night game tonight, though, really with the Giants and the 49ers? You really think this should be over by halftime? Oh absolutely. Okay. The the
2: Giants were a nice story last season. They overachieved and went nine and seven, won a playoff game we I've talked about this multiple times but they didn't upgrade their roster hardly at all. They didn't add anything at receiver where they're terrible. Well, I don't want to say terrible, but they have a bunch of average to good receivers and mm-hmm. no one that's better than good. They did add Aaron, Darren Waller who is a, a top 5 tight end in the league, but that's it. And if you can and you can obviously take Darren Waller away, which the, both the Cowboys and the Uh, Cardinals both have done Mm -hmm. and you see that the Giants offense struggles and they're going to be without their best offensive player. Saquon Barkley is going to miss the game with an ankle injury. So it it just went from bad to worse when I heard that. I don't think this will be a game at all. I think San Francisco wins it going away. And if I was a betting man, I would, I would easily fade the points and take San Francisco.
3: I, I I tend to agree. I I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot there. I really don't. Um, but again. You never know, you never know the, the NFL. NFL is strange. That's exactly it, the, right. This
2: could be one of those trap games where everybody thinks it's going to be a blowout. The the 49ers show up, don't have a great game.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The the Giants show up and play their best and you know somehow end up pulling off the upset. I don't see it happening, but it does happen quite often in the NFL.
3: It absolutely does. And you kind of sit back and scratch your head when that happens too, right? right? Like
2: how did that team mm-hmm. who got beat 40 to nothing by the Cowboys just beat the 49ers who are about as talented as the Cowboys. Yeah, if it did happen, absolutely.
3: Some Thursday night high school football as well. The Belton Tigers who are undefeated taking on the Pflugerville Panthers uh, tonight at 7 p.m. at the P Field in Pflugerville. Uh, That will happen. That's really about the only one in the area. There's a lot in the Metroplex, of course, but uh, not many more in the area. But the Belton Tigers really playing well right now and have an opportunity uh, to go to 5-0 and o on the season. Brenham and New Bronzeville played tonight at Cubs Stadium. Uh, and then again, a lot in the Metroplex, as there always is in the Metroplex. But it's kind of, you know, since they built that new stadium at uh, Chaparral High School in in Colleen, now that they had the two stadiums, we don't get the Thursday night Leo Buckley game anymore. And, you know what? I kind of miss, miss that. it. Yeah, me
2: too. I thought the <laughs> same. Th- I was thinking the same thing uh, after the first week. I was like, "There's not as many Thursday games in Colleen, and I don't like that." Yeah, I-, I know it's better for the schools. Oh, obviously. absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, but from a selfish standpoint,
3: <laughs> and that's what it is. I love Yes, I loved I'm that worried. they had
2: all those Thursday night games. Yeah, those cause huge they, rivalry games.
3: If I didn't have a game, or if I wasn't at Leo Buckley on a Thursday night, some nights I would venture over there to catch some high school football because it's a great place to watch a game. And there was always, especially when you had a couple of the clean schools going at at each other. Always fun. Always going to be a fun game.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's definitely better obviously for the schools, but like, like we said, for selfish reasons, (laughs) I really miss those Thursday night games.
3: The NFL this weekend has some really good games, and it also has some really good controversy. We touched on it a little bit, but, boy, I, I don't know that Justin Fields coming out and saying what he said is, is such a great idea. I, I've never heard an NFL player lay it at the doorstep of the coaches before, and he absolutely did yesterday. Saying that it's a coaching problem. It's not his problem.
2: Yeah, he came back out, called the press back in to try to walk it back. But that it is was too late. Oh, that is definitely Pandora's box. Once it's out, it's not going back in. And it's going to be talked about for the rest of his career. Not just, you know, for the rest of this season. People will be bringing that up for the rest of his career, good or bad. Whether he continues to struggle or turns into the best quarterback in the league, they're still going to be bringing that up five years from now.
3: There's no doubt. They also at the um, Bears organization defensive coordinator has Alan Williams has resigned uh, as of yesterday, and also the FBI paid a little visit. So, man, there is there's some turmoil going on for the, the Chicago Bears right now, and I I don't know. I'm asking you, is it in a tailspin right now for the Bears? With everything that's going on, oh, you absolutely! Have the FBI coming in, absolutely. You have your quarterback yeah. calling out coaches. Yeah. I mean, it's
2: yeah. You just lost your defensive coordinator. He just stepped away for you know. He said for personal and health reasons. There's been other reports of other things, but nothing's well, been kind of verified yet.
3: Yeah, but the FBI goes to his house. Right. I, mean, I get it. Yeah, there's, there's something me, going on that, that we would don't give me know. Health I think. problems too.
2: Sure. Yeah, that's that, that 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 entire franchise. I didn't like the hiring of Iberflus this is an offensive league and they went defense and they went defense. When you have a young quarterback that needs to be developed, I think that, I think that they would have been much better served hiring an offensive guy and letting him bring in a top defensive guy to mm-hmm. run the defense. Because even though Ebra Flus is a defensive guy, their defense is terrible. And I know it's only his second year, but they had you gotta,
3: a, you got to in your second year, you got to see something moving forward. And and to me, They look like they're going backwards. Yeah, in the first two games, it looked like they were going backwards.
2: Absolutely. I have two friends that are diehard Chicago Bear fans. And, uh, you know, we text all day Sunday. We're Mm -hmm. all watching the NFL. They're watching the Bears, obviously, but then they'll watch, you know, the other games, the Cowboys, things like that. And, uh, man, they have just had some really heated arguments about whether Justin Fields is going to be the guy or not. And they are definitely of the same mindset that, they have taken a big step back, and so has Justin Fields. Because at the end of last year, he looked like he was going to be the next superstar quarterback. Then in the offseason, they trade for D.J. Moore, which when you give a young up-and-coming quarterback a number one receiver, we, we've seen that work out really well, actually fantastically well, more than a couple of times in the last few years, when Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs, he made a huge jump. Mm-hmm. When Jalen Hurts got A.J. Brown, he made a huge jump, and everyone pretty much assumed that Justin Fields would do the same thing. He still could, but through the first two games, he has really looked bad.
3: Not looked good at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the fix is, but they need to. They need to find it sooner rather than later, right? Absolutely. Because. In the NFL, it can get away from you very, very rapidly.
2: Well, if they get to a certain point where he's still playing bad, they may think, you know, we don't pick up his fifth-year option. We'll go ahead and say this season is a bust, and uh, we'll get a high draft pick and take one of those quarterbacks and start over.
3: I just don't like it when teams tank. I don't
2: either. I I, I don't either. But when every team, when almost every bad team is doing it, you're you're almost doing your, your – are Team a disservice if you're bad and you still try to win games. If that makes sense, like Houston cost themselves the top overall pick with that win, Lubby Smith's last game, the you know last year, mm-hmm. and it ended up costing them another number one pick with a trade for Will Anderson, right? Because they they gave up their number one next year to get Will Anderson, which I think was a good trade, but it it could turn out to be terrible if they end up. Giving what is the number one draft pick to the Cardinals. I mean, they they could have gotten three number one draft picks for it if they had held on to it because it's gonna be Caleb Williams. They they could maybe more than three first round picks with with the hype around him and, and how highly he's been rated by NFL Scouts.
3: Yeah, it it's it's just it's a weird, weird deal for me. College football, most anticipated game this week, has to be Colorado and Oregon just has to be both of them three and oh I, I don't know that there's a big one but we'll find out Shahan Jayaraja from CBS Sports he'll join us next we'll ask him that question as the press box continues right after this on ESPN Central Texas
0: your leader in high school sports ESPN Central Texas the Midway Coaches Show with Shane Anderson is brought to you by
3: Automatic Chef Canteen Brownhouse Cafe
2: Coach, coming off a 31-24 loss to Rockwell Heath last Friday night in non-district play, this is a game where your team got down early but showed a lot of fight in the fourth quarter. Three touchdowns to get back in this game. Just couldn't make the full comeback.
4: Yeah, you know, just kind of ran out of time, uh, but we we did. We started really, really flat. Started really, really slow, especially on the offensive side of the ball and uh, really didn't play real well all night, which was, you know, kind of a setback for us. I thought we'd been playing good enough offensively to win and Defensively, we're trying to figure things out. They kind of, the script kind of flipped on us Friday night, but uh, you know we'll be better for it. And uh, Got that non-district schedule behind us now, and it's uh, time to focus on district and finding a way to get in the playoffs.
2: And that does start this week. You're at Hutto for your first district game. Offensively, for them, they've got Will Hammond, who's committed to Texas Tech at quarterback, and they have put up a lot of points early in the season.
4: Absolutely. Will's a really, really good player. Uh, probably one of the top quarterbacks in the state of Texas, if not the top quarterback and uh, you know, just on stats alone and so, you know, he's uh he's a good player. We're gonna have to figure out a way to, to contain him. Slow him down. I don't know that you stop him, but uh, you know, slowing down, uh, you know, they came out came out of the gates hot against uh Sam Marcus and Liberty Hill scoring a ton of points and in the last few weeks uh been, been slowed down a little bit. So we got some good tape and some some ways that people have slowed him down, and we'll try to reciprocate that, and see if we can uh, get there Friday night and slow him down and score more points than they do.
2: What about defensively for them?
4: You know, they're uh, they're young. Uh, you know, last year they were senior heavy. Um, you know, played a bunch of seniors, uh, with the exception of Coach Compton's son. He was, I think, he was the only other classman on the defense. So they got they got a lot of young guys on defense this year, and they've struggled giving up some points. And so, you know, obviously, we you know we need to take advantage of that. It'll be a good football game. Kind of mirror images of each other. Not, neither one of us are oversized on the offensive or defensive line. You know, kind of undersized. And both of us have a really good quarterback. And both of us have scored some points and given up some points. And so it's going to be who makes the fewest mistakes. And probably uh,
0: may come down to who has the ball last Friday night. ESPN Central Texas.
5: Locally owned and operated, Automatic Chef is Central Texas' premier break room vending service provider. For over 50 years, Central Texas companies have relied on Automatic Chef for all their break room supplies. They offer micro markets, office coffee and tea service, breakfast, lunch, and dinner products, touchless vending, cashless payments, and innovative technology. Let Automatic Chef design a break room that fits your needs. 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco and at AutomaticChefCanteen.com. Brown House Cafe is local homegrown southern cooking, like going home to grandma's house, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner with breakfast being served all day. Dishes like homemade biscuits and gravies, pancakes, french toast, or build your own omelet. And don't forget about lunch and dinner, chicken fried steak, build your own burger, grilled Atlantic salmon and daily specials, plus homemade pies daily. Open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., Brown House Cafe in Woodway. Check them out at brownhousecafe.com.
6: Security Bank of Texas proudly brings together the best of tradition and business partnership. Their dedicated team of professionals takes the time to understand your needs so they can deliver the banking experience you deserve. Whether it's personal banking, business banking, or something in between, they've got you covered. As a bank rooted in tradition, they're proud to serve the communities of Bell, Bosque, Coryell, and McLennan Counties. Experience banking as it should be. Stop by today and discover the difference with Security Bank of Texas. FDIC insured and equal housing lender.
1: Qualifications and rules apply. See Genco FCU for detail. Warning, free Genco Kasasa checking may lead to a rise in disposable income due to cash back on everyday debit card purchases, refunds on ATM fees, and eliminations of so-called service fees. Increased satisfaction may result while operating your Genco debit card. If you suffer from chronic money loss, search for help at any Genco branch office. This has been a financial health advisory courtesy of Genco FCU.
8: My money, my future, my future.
0: Time to talk college athletics with Shahan Jayaraja from CBSSports.com on ESPN Central Texas.
3: And welcome back to the Press Box here on ESPN. Ward Weinsch and Aaron Sexton along with you. Nick Saban on ESPN right now. That's always intriguing. Pretty cluttered desk there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that
2: was the first thing we you stuff noticed. Stuff all
3: over his desk. <laughs> Not a neat freak. <laughs> Joining us now, as promised from CBS Sports, is Shehan Jayaraja. Shehan, thanks for the time today. How are you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing great. I'll tell you what, one of the funniest parts about the pandemic has been going in and having people do their, like, home hits and seeing, men. They really keep their place a mess, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they do.
3: It's unbelievable. I don't know how you can find anything on that desk. Sean, you and I haven't had a chance to talk since Big 12 Media Days and, and catch up a little bit. And so far in the college football season, there's been some wild things that's gone on in this season, maybe some unexpected. But what's the biggest surprise of this young season that you've seen so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been crazy so far. I think that's fair to say. Obviously, you have to mention the Colorado stuff. I mean, we, we can talk about the off-field stuff, but starting 3-0, and just it, purely on the field, is a pretty unbelievable start for that team. They obviously had to play two Power 5 teams, including TCU, on the road. And I, I've been very impressed with what they've been able to do so far. So that's a huge one. I, I've also been incredibly impressed with what Notre Dame has done so far. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had high expectations with Sam Hartman coming in at quarterback, but he's been even better than I expected, and I was probably hyping him up this offseason as much as anybody. He's been unbelievable. Obviously, it's a big-time matchup this upcoming weekend uh, against Ohio State. And on the flip side of it, I mean, what has happened to Alabama? Was lower on them coming into the year than most. I had them closer to 10 in my preseason rankings than I did in the top three like they started, but they haven't looked like a top 25 team so far this season. And certainly uh, it's going to be another good test for them against Ole Miss to sort of see where exactly they stand, especially with Jalen Miller in the lineup. But certainly this is not the Alabama that we are used to seeing. And frankly, you probably have to go back to 2007 to find the last time that an Alabama team ever looked like this.
3: Yeah. I was going to ask you, when was the last time you've seen Alabama out of the top 10?
1: Yeah, I I mean, so the last time that I I believe they might have had a moment where they were out of the top 10 in 2019 after losing uh, their second game. But the last time that they were as low as 13, you have to go all the way back to September of 2015. Now, the thing I'll mention is that when I say September 2015, that team ended up winning the national championship. So don't count (laughs) that too soon. But it has been a very long time.
3: When you look at what this – Season has brought us and and let's go to Colorado because you mentioned them first and I think that that is the biggest story in college football right now. What Dion has been able to do, it's really no surprise that this team has been able to put it together. Because look, Dion is Dion and he's been a winner everywhere he's been. But to turn over a roster like that and get off to a three and zero start is pretty incredible, isn't it?
1: It is. And again, look, we can have the conversation about sunglasses, and all, all this other stuff. But, I but think that's just Dion. That's just Dion. And I, I think that you have to look at what, uh, the way that it's translated on the football field. Because, look, he hired two great coordinators. Uh, when you talk about Sean Lewis on offense and Charles Kelly on defense. And, and I want to be clear, this team has flaws. Some of the stuff that we thought were going to be issues have been issues. They rank bottom five nationally in rushing yards per game. Mm-hmm. They've struggled against the run. I mean, they are not... Firm in the trenches right this second, but they've been so well coached that it hasn't mattered that much. They've been able to take the game to the outside. They've been able to use the short passing game to compensate for some of those rushing issues. Obviously, Dylan Edwards, a true freshman running back from Derby, Kansas, uh, has been able to really do a lot of damage as a receiver, even though obviously they haven't been able to run block at an elite level to this point. So, look, I- I've said it all year, I-, I said it after the TCU game. This looks like a team that looks like a six or seven win team to me. And and I mean that with the biggest compliment in the world. This is not a team that's won six games since I believe 2016. I I mean, it is an unbelievable turnaround after one and 11. And if they were to get to a bowl game, just a bowl game, I think that Deion Sanders deserves to be coach of the year. I I mean, he is, I I think what he has done has been unbelievably impressive. Obviously they're going to be tested this upcoming weekend going against Oregon. That's a different type of team than they've played so far, but frankly, you know, nothing that happens this weekend can really deter me from the fact that Colorado has been uh, one of the biggest stories in college football and, and deservedly so.
3: Say, hon, do you think there is college football coaches out there that are kind of turning their head a little bit and going, wait a minute, m- maybe this is a good blueprint?
1: Well, I think it's, it's a mixed thing, right? I, I'm curious what people are going to take from it. Cause there is the piece of, flipping 70 scholarship players, I think that not many coaches can necessarily do that. We did see, obviously, Baylor did week one. G.J. Kinney kind of did a similar thing at Texas State. But I do think, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what pieces people work in. I I do think that the transfer portal can be a useful thing for for, for, first year coaches. I don't think it's going to be as successful when you're not bringing in Shadour Sanders and Travis Hunter <laughs> necessarily. So i mm-hmm. caution caution uh, teams and programs from that. One piece that I really hope that some coaches will take away is like, guess what? There are things that you can do with your program to market it in a way that makes people care about it. No one is Deion Sanders. I, I don't want people to get in their head that they can do that, but uh, you know, certainly I'm a little biased speaking as a media member, but Having access to the program, having stories with the program, being a little looser with the media, being a little looser with, uh, you know, rivalry, trash talk and things of that nature. I mean, this is a sport that's built on being fun. Everybody wants to see what this program is going to do next, obviously off the field, but then it translates to on the field, too. So, you know, obviously, when you look at some of the top great coaches in college football, you see a Nick Saban, you see a Kirby Smart, they're incredibly buttoned up. But I'll tell you what, if you're not Alabama or Georgia, there to me is, is little excuse to not open up your program and have fun with it and, and embrace some of the culture side uh, of college football as well. And, you know, so it'll be interesting to see if other coaches and other programs ultimately try to do the same.
3: Shador Sanders, if they go on the path that you say they win six games, does he still have a shot at being one of the finalists for the Heisman?
1: You know, when we talk about Heisman, I think that that's probably a little tough, um, you know, just because, again, like Heisman is is typically an award that's about the story of the season. And it's about, uh, you know, which players have elevated their teams, which players have transformed their teams, which teams have taken their teams to the highest level. So, you know, I, I think you would still be able to finish top 10 in Heisman. But the the other thing that I'd point to as well is that I think that Shador Sanders is also playing himself into the first round of the 2024 NFL draft if he wants to do that. Now, there was some talk uh, from Deion Sanders. He had an interview with Taylor Rooks over at Bleacher Report where he said, look, we don't need to rush Shador to the NFL. You know, he potentially could come back in 2024 if things are right. And while, like, obviously in 99.9% of cases, if you're a first-round pick, you got to run and take it,
9: mm-hmm. I,
1: I do think there's some merit for, for Sidor Sanders. One, obviously being able to continue to elevate that program. And, again, this is their transitionary roster. They haven't even had an opportunity, an opportunity to bring in their own full recruiting class. So they're going to potentially have a chance to do that in a big way this upcoming year. And the other thing, too, is that this potentially could be a really, really top-heavy quarterback class with Caleb Williams and Drake May and Quinn Ewers, and then you even look at Michael Penix and you look at Bo Nix and all of these guys, when you start looking at 2025, I mean, Jador Sanders could be the first guy off the board if he has another great season. So I do think that there's some upside to potentially looking long-term with him, but certainly he's been one of the best players so far in college football. And again, it's going to be a different kind of challenge going against top-end defenses every week in the Pac-12, but he's certainly been up to the challenge so far.
3: Sehan Jayaraj of CBS Sports with us on the Press Box on ESPN Central Texas. You mentioned this game a little bit earlier, Ohio State and Notre Dame. I, I think this has the potential. Now, look, I think Colorado and, and the game we were just talking about with Oregon probably will get the most views, but this one probably get the second most, and this could be a great football game between the Buckeyes and the Fighting Irish.
1: No, to me, when you talk about on field, this has the potential to be the game of the year in my mind. Obviously, you know, there'll be others. Ohio State-Michigan will be a good game. Uh, You know, Notre Dame actually gets to play USC later in the year, which will be a lot of fun. But this is, I think, the first time. I mean, I've I've covered college football since 2013, and so the year after Notre Dame made the national title game. I don't remember a matchup against a top-five caliber opponent. Obviously, Ohio State's number six, but top-five caliber where I felt like Notre Dame truly had a chance to go in and win the game. And I think they do this weekend. I think that they have elevated themselves to the point of competing with that top end of college football, obviously bringing in a quarterback in Sam Hartman, who I think has been one of the top five quarterbacks in college football this year and closer to one than to five, frankly. And I think that the other part of it, too, is when you look at Brian Kelly's struggles at Notre Dame against top opponents, it comes down to a lack of team speed, especially on the outside at receiver. Well, they've got a kid from Austin, Texas, and Jaden Greathouse who played uh, at Lake Travis. Mm-hmm. He's been a big time player for them. Brendan Merriweather is another track star type receiver that they brought in last year, who's come out and, and played really well this year. Audrick Estime at running back has uh, taken another level this year. So I think that they're closer. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that they're running out the same kind of team speed and talent receiver that Ohio State is, who has probably the best receiving core in the entire country. Actually, no, probably. They do. But I do think that they have enough to compete. And the other part of it, too, Ohio State replaced both of their tackles from last season, both of whom were drafted in the NFL, including Paris Johnson uh, in the top 15 takes of the NFL draft they haven't replaced them at an elite level to this point. We saw some issues when they played even against Indiana, and they're going to have to deal with those issues with a freshman starting quarterback, too, or a redshirt sophomore, I believe he is, in Kyle McCord. So I think that there are enough factors to make this game a little interesting. And obviously, look, again, you look at uh, the, the recent history of of Notre Dame, really the only sort of top end victory that they've been able to have was when Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence for a game during the COVID season. I, I think they absolutely have the ability to come out and win this game.
3: When you look at Florida State and Clemson, and I know Florida State's number four in the country right now, Clemson sitting there, everybody thinks that oh they're down, they're down, they're not, they don't have a chance in this game. For me, I want to get your opinion. Could Clemson open up some eyes against Florida state this weekend?
1: Well, I think that one of the things that you always have to mention with a game like this is obviously there's a rivalry component. These have been the two signature programs in the ACC for, I mean, well over 10 years. And I think that, you know, you look at obviously Clemson has kind of taken the place of what Florida state was not just in the early 2010s, but what they were for a lot of the nineties and two thousands too. And so, I think that Clemson does come into this game very motivated with a great game plan. If we know one thing about Garrett Riley, he's historically come out with a really, really good game plan.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Talent wise, offensively, I'm, I'm still just a little concerned about the receiver play. I don't know, you know, uh, Florida state has a great defensive back central Cypress. They've got a great first round defensive end in Jared verse. And obviously on the offensive side of the ball, they've got pieces all over so, so on paper, Florida State should win this game pretty easily. But, you know, when you talk about Clemson's talent, when you talk about Clemson in the trenches, I mean, they have the ability to cause some issues, absolutely, for, uh, for Florida State. So I do think this is going to be a close game. I do think this is going to be a fourth quarter game. Florida State should win this game. I, I mean, just flat out, straight up, they should win this game. But I do think that Clemson's going to have at least one punch in them at the end of the game.
2: Shehan, with all the top 25 matchups this week, is there any game that's kind of flying under the radar?
1: Yeah, well, I'll point to another top 25 game, actually. And uh, and actually, you can check out my story on CBSports.com. I, I kind of go into it a little bit. But Oregon State and Washington State are playing as ranked teams for the first time in the history of the matchup. Oh, wow. And they're also, yeah, yeah, a hunt over, I believe, 98 games we're talking never both been ranked teams at the same time and we are talking about two programs that college football is very actively trying to leave behind but I'll tell you what Oregon State is absolutely good enough to win the Pac-12 this year and Washington State potentially has the ability to come in and crash the party as well these are two fantastically good teams everybody's going to talk about Oregon and USC and Washington and even Utah after what they've done the past few years but both Oregon State and Washington State are incredibly good. D.J. Ewing uh, Anglele obviously coming in from Clemson to start for Oregon State defensively. They're really good. And, and by the way, a running back in Damian Martinez, who's actually from the state of Texas, from Louisville. And, and then on the other side, Washington State, again, I'll, I'll, I'll pull in another Texas tie, the former, uh, the former Incarnate Word quarterback mm-hmm. Cameron Ward, who, who obviously starred at West Columbia has turned into one of the best quarterbacks in college football. So this is like an NFL quarterback matchup, potentially. Two really good defenses, two exciting young head coaches, should be a raucous atmosphere at Washington State. I-, I think that this is going to be an incredibly fun game. Now, they have the misfortune of the fact that their game is going up against Ohio State versus Notre Dame <laughs> and Baylor versus Texas. But if you've got a third screen out there, I- I'd encourage you to <laughs> have this
3: Shay han let's talk about your Bears as they host the uh, number three Texas Longhorns at McLean Stadium, a sold-out McLean Stadium. And this could be the last meeting, or it will be for a little while for sure, but it could be the last meeting after 113 meetings between these two teams. H- how do you see this one going?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, for me, it's it's very sad, honestly, to to obviously lose this matchup as somebody who did go to Baylor and was a Baylor grad who traveled to Actually, I believe I went to all four Texas versus Baylor games while I was in school, actually, because mm-hmm. that's just one of those games, uh, whether it's at home or on the road, that you just, you just want to go to, right? It's, it's a fun game. And so it's sad for me to lose that one. But I, at the same time, so you look at this matchup. One, I mean, Dave Aranda has to look at this game as a potential program-changing opportunity, because it is. This is the last one of those things. Everybody remembers the Texas versus Texas A&M game in 2011, where, uh, where obviously Texas is able to beat Texas A&M on a last-second field goal by Justin Tucker, this is how Baylor should be looking at this game. This is an opportunity. This is a chance to send Texas off with a loss, uh, obviously, in the history of their rivalry. And I, I think the other part of it, too, is you look at Texas right now. I mean, Texas is a flawed team. Obviously, they started 3-0. and They beat Alabama, although that win is aging a little tougher. Their other two games against Rice and Wyoming were not incredibly uh, impressive. And so if you're Baylor, I, I mean, look, I, I don't love the fact that Blake Shapen's going to be out in this game. I don't know if Toy Robertson is ready for the moment, but this is an opportunity. I think that Baylor has the ability to cause Texas some issues, especially, uh, you know, down the field. Uh, they've been pretty good against the past so far this year, outside of that Texas state game. Mm-hmm. And I think that offensively, you know, look, obviously last week was so much about just repping wide zone, trying to get those running backs ready. They've got to be ready. They have got to be ready going up against this Texas defensive front. So I think that Texas is a little worse than they've played so far. I think that Baylor's probably a little better. I don't know if Baylor's good enough to win this game, especially with Blake and out of the lineup. But I do think it's going to be close getting going into the fourth quarter. And look, again, I'll say it again, if Baylor's able to pull off this victory, that's a program-changing type win for Dave Aranda and what he's trying to accomplish here.
3: Shehan Jayaraja, CBS Sports, with us here on the Press Box on ESPN Central Texas. Another game in the Big 12 that is intriguing me, Shehan, is the Iron Skillet with SMU traveling to Fort Worth to take on TCU. And TCU has said this rivalry will no longer take place uh, in the near future. I, for me, that's sad because I think this is a great Metroplex game each and every year, and it's been going for so long, but SMU coming in with a little burr under their saddle.
1: No, absolutely. And uh, it's not lost on me that TCU opted to stop playing this game right as they started losing a couple of these games. Right, mm-hmm. So I, I think that, that certainly when you look at SMU, I mean, I, I'm not going to compare it to obviously this Baylor-Texas game in terms of magnitude, but. It's high. This is obviously the last time that SMU is going to be sitting here as a member of a group of five conference. And they're they're rolling right now. They've played really well. They they gave Oklahoma a little bit of a scare in Norman. And they have, I think, in my opinion, uh, potentially the better quarterback in this game with Preston Stone taking over under center. So. It's going to be a big opportunity for them. It's going to be a big moment for them, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, just the fact that this game won't continue to go on yearly after this as well. Uh, So I do think that, uh, that, SMU has some of the offensive pieces to be able to cause TCU some trouble on the other end, and defensively they've looked better than I expected so far. They they added a couple pieces through the transfer portal to try to solidify that side of the ball. Uh, I believe their defensive coordinator Scott Simon came from Liberty and brought a couple of really nice pieces whenever uh, whenever he came through as well. So I, I do think it's going to be a good game. I do think it's going to be a close game. I probably I, so I, I think I lean. TCU in a very tight game but I think SMU is absolutely capable of winning it I feel like every game that I'm taking I'm like maybe enough <laughs> uh, but that's just kind of what kind of weekend it's going to be which should be a lot of fun
3: when you look at Texas Tech and Joey McGuire getting his first win against Tarleton State last week at home which there's no doubt that they should have now they go to West Virginia West Virginia is probably better than we thought and Morgantown's a tough place to play isn't it?
1: Yeah, this will be a big game, I think, for both of these programs because Neil Brown got a very, very significant win over Pitts last week. And obviously, Pitts reeling a little bit, but if you're Neil Brown, you have to have that game because if you lose that game and you fall to one and two and then you go and play Texas Tech and CCU, that is a disaster situation for a coach trying to keep his job. Well, now I think that they build a little bit of momentum. They build a little bit uh, of confidence as well. And they were able to do it, by the way, without their starting quarterback, Garrett Green, which I think is also pretty significant. So I do think that this game looks a little tougher for Texas Tech than maybe it did a week ago. I do lean Texas Tech. I think that, you know, obviously after that Wyoming game, they've acquitted themselves very well. They frankly should have beaten Auburn in week two. And so I I do think that they're going to come out and have the potential to make a statement one thing to keep an eye on, obviously, there's been a lot of people calling for a quarterback change. Uh, Tyler Shuck's been mm-hmm. all right, but Baron Morton has a little bit more upside out there, the, the sophomore from Eastland, Texas. So I, I do think it's going to be an interesting dynamic, especially if Shuck uh, struggles early. But I, I do think that Texas Tech manages to outlast West Virginia in this game.
3: Say, hon, is Oklahoma better than you and I thought they were at Big 12 media days? <laughs>
1: I'm not convinced yet. I, okay. I know I understand that that obviously they've played really, really well against some overmatched opponents, but they played one game against a team that wasn't quite as overmatched in SMU and didn't look very good. So obviously they've been able to sort of blitz Arkansas State, uh, and you know it, it's just I don't know exactly how much that means. I, I don't know exactly how how valuable that is in terms of evaluating it now the thing I'll say about this upcoming game against Cincinnati is Cincinnati's offense is not very good. So I I don't know that we'll necessarily learn a whole ton about Oklahoma's defense right now, but I do think we will learn quite a bit about Oklahoma's offense because that Cincinnati defense is pretty fearsome. Dante Corleone in the middle of that uh, Cincinnati defensive line is one of the best overall players in the big 12. He's going to play in the NFL very, very soon. Uh, And you know, the one thing that I think you say about Cincinnati's offense is, They have some real pieces. Corey Kiner at running back is, again, potentially a Sunday player as well. I'm a little skeptical of of Emory Jones at quarterback. I think he's been a little figured out during his stop. But I do think that this is potentially an opportunity for us to get uh, Oklahoma playing in some high leverage situations, to see them facing third and long, to see them you know, uh, have to get some red zone stops against a, a group with some talent on the outside and at the skill position. So I'm not all the way there on Oklahoma as yet. I do want to see them tested. But the other thing, and I mentioned this uh, when we talked in the preseason, maybe Texas is the only team on the schedule that has the ability to do that. Maybe they'll just be able to go through and win 10 games without having to exert all that hard but i'm not all the way there yet on oklahoma though at the same time when you look at the state of the rest of the big 12 Mm -hmm. maybe not being there on oklahoma is enough to still finish second
3: so i've heard some noise about ucf too being a maybe a contender an outside shot that could be there at the end of the season how big a statement can they make if they go into bill snyder family stadium and beat kansas state this weekend
1: And also beat them, by the way, without their starting quarterback, John Reese Plumlee, who's going to be out for this one. This will be a big game for them, absolutely. And, uh, look, I I don't expect them and I I don't hold them to the idea of being able to go in and win this game because Kansas State is really, really good. But. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if they had a chance to come out and if they were able to move the ball in offense and look potentially good, to me McLean is a is a really talented quarterback who's gonna be starting for them. He was the full time starter for South Florida, ironically their rival two years ago before redshirting last year behind John Reese Plumley. So so this is a big opportunity, absolutely. And they have some really nice pieces in the trenches. They have a couple of really dynamic players at the skill positions. And the other part that you have to mention too is that Kansas State is a little hurt. There's a little broken down. Will Howard was hobbling at times last week in the loss to Missouri. Uh, you know, I think that their running back, Treshawn Ward, is also dealing with some nag- nagging injuries. So I-, I think it'll be a great opportunity for them to prove that they can, uh, especially on the defensive side, get some stops against a talented physical Big 12 offense. And so if they were to come out and win this game, I think, I think that you have to put them – in that group with Texas and Oklahoma right now as one of the, uh, the top contenders in the big 12. Now it's a tough ask. It's a tall order. And, uh, and certainly, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen in that one, but I do think that they have been a nice surprise team to this point, And I'm excited to see what they do. Now that conference play is starting.
3: Shahan J. Aranza, CBS Sports, and you can check all his stuff out at cbssports.com. Shahan, certainly do appreciate the time. Always a pleasure. And have a great, fun weekend of college football, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good. Thank you for having me.
3: You bet. Shehan J. Aranza, and check him out, cbssports.com. He's got some great stuff up there. You'll get the insight of college football from Shehan. Stay right there. We'll talk a little Rangers as we close out the show next on the Press Box on ESPN Central Texas.
0: Your leader in high school sports. ESPN Central Texas
3: the Clifton coaches show with Brent Finney is brought to you by Royal House Pizza the 5th Street Market and Nursery
2: coach coming off a 35-7 loss to McGregor last Friday night last week we talked about how good this McGregor team is they were coming off a big win over Gatesville and it looks like they showed up ready to play
9: yeah, and we knew, uh, like we talked about, we knew they were a lot better than their record show. They played some good people, and um, they, they're pretty good up front on both sides of the ball. Got some good linemen and, and a really talented running back, and, and a quarterback does a good job for a sophomore. So, uh, yes, they 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 played well, and uh, we just couldn't get much going on offense. And you know, defense uh, kept them balled up for a while, but uh, we just we couldn't help them get them off the field. So. Uh, after about the third quarter, which we started wearing down a little bit. They were able to to get a few there at the end on us. Now
2: this week you have your last non-district game against Millsap. Talk a little bit about them offensively. They run the spread, and it looks like it's keyed by their quarterback.
9: Pretty diverse offense. Uh, you know they're pretty dynamic. Um, you got to definitely going to have to play some disciplined football because they've got a pretty good dual threat quarterback. So uh, everybody's going to have to definitely play their assignment.
2: What about defensively for them?
9: Defensively, they're, they're very aggressive. Uh, you know, they got some size up front, and, and they just play sick them pretty good and, and they sit back in the back end. So uh, we're going to have to
0: uh, find a way to get them blocked. ESPN Central Texas.
5: Royal Pizza in Clifton is sure to whet your appetite, serving the best pizza around. Check out their world-class bacon cheeseburger pizza or their pepperoni extreme. Twice the cheese, twice the pepperoni. Royal Pizza also serves pasta, specialty calzones, salads, and don't forget the wings. Open Monday through Thursday to 9, Friday and Saturday till 10, Sundays till 7. And on Friday night home football games, are open until midnight. Dine in, call in for pickup, or they will deliver royal pizza located at 602 south avenue g in clifton
6: established in 2007 and independently owned alliance bank central texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals from their tellers to their board of directors they know the importance of superior service and competitive products customers have confidence knowing that their financial business is in good hands Alliance Bank, Central Texas with two Waco locations, also in Temple and Georgetown and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. The right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. And when it's time for
3: a
1: new car, truck, or SUV, Berg Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models like the Mustang, Explorer, Expedition, F-150, and Duty. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports all Central Texas athletes. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Experience
6: better at Bird Colgen Ford.
7: Is buying a home on your wish list whether you are looking for your first home or your next home an educated home buyer is the best home buyer NeighborWorks Waco free home buyer education workshop walks you through the home buying process and answers your questions about everything from money management understanding credit obtaining a mortgage loan and shopping for a home to protecting your investment NeighborWorks Waco has assisted over 3200 families in achieving their dreams of home ownership visit us at nw-waco.org and let us help you make home ownership a reality
0: you're listening to ESPN Central Texas,
6: live from the Allen
0: Samuel Studios.
6: Do you know your butcher by name? Not by which overpriced grocery train they work for. You need to meet my butcher, Jaime here at Fortson's Meat Market. Jaime the Butcher has been cutting meat for over 25 years and he still loves it. To Jaime, cutting meat to your desire is like art. Each steak is a masterpiece that improves the look of your grill. I'm Rob Fortson from Fortson's Meat Market, a full service meat market in Robinson and I would love you to come by and get to know Jaime the Butcher. You'll only find him at Fortson's where we specialize in the best Texas race beef, chicken and pork no hormones no fillers we also carry a great lineup of homemade sausages jerky bacon wrapped quail frog legs boudin balls and more like us on facebook to get daily updates on specials and freezer boxes and we're even open on game day monday through saturday from nine to six maybe it's time you met your new butcher at fortson's meat market just south of the circle in robinson
8: In business since the 1940s, Alamo Steel of Waco delivers over 30,000 tons of steel nationwide every year. And now they're looking to grow their team. They're hiring fitters, welders, machine operators for both day and evening shifts. And an evening shift supervisor. Evening shift only works four days a week, Monday through Thursday. Also, $1 differential pay offered for evening shift. After 90 days of full-time employment, Alamo Steel offers PTO and a comprehensive benefits plan, including medical, dental, vision, short and long-term disability, life insurance, 401K, and more. Full-time positions offer 40-plus hours per week. Hourly employees are paid weekly. At Alamo Steel, they believe in above-average pay to attract well-qualified individuals. Apply in person Monday through Friday, 8 till 5 at 2784 Old Dallas Road, one block off Interstate 35 in Lacey Lakeview.
3: And welcome back to the Press Box here on ESPN Central Texas. Here on this thirsty Thursday, Texas Rangers get a big afternoon win yesterday over the Red Sox. Hope they didn't waste all their runs making their way to the playoffs.
2: <laughs> well, I, I don't think they were wasted because you never know when they're going to need them. <laughs> but, yeah. It's amazing, though. They're a half a game back of the Astros and tied with Seattle. It's going to be a fun Last two weeks of Major League Baseball.
3: It is, and I don't know that we would have thought in spring training that Ranger fans would be sitting here going, hey, we've got two weeks to go, and we're right on the cusp. As you mentioned, a half game behind the Astros, tied with the Mariners, and guess who's coming to town tomorrow? The Mariners. Right. So you've got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with the Mariners, Mm -hmm. and you have an opportunity – no to, matter. to separate yourself, if you sweep this Mariners series, mm-hmm. and there is an opportunity that the Astros, who really have kind of been reeling a little bit, I mean they've been hot and cold, but they haven't been they lost just trying to run away from anybody.
2: Yeah, they lost three or four to the Orioles. The Orioles are good, but and then they won yesterday. They had mm-hmm. to on a walk off, you know, two to one. So I mean they've. Even their, their win yesterday was a struggle for them. It was a nice win, but, yeah, absolutely. But even if the Astros win out, all the Rangers have to do is win these two series against Seattle, probably. Well, they, got, have, they have they L.A. sandwiched in between there. They're going to have go. to do something there, too. But if you can win these two se- series against Seattle, you're at least going to get that last wild card spot.
3: Probably so, yeah. You, you, you put yourself in a position where you can play postseason baseball. And... 3 up. 3 this weekend at at the uh, ballpark and if you want to go to regular season baseball you got till Sunday this is the last series because they end the season on the road with a 7 game road trip as they'll have 3 with Los Angeles and 4 against Seattle coming up to end the season uh next Sunday so just a week away from finding out where this team is going to be but this is a huge huge series this weekend.
2: Yeah, and I just hope it's it's the it's the team that showed up against the Blue Jays and not the team that showed up against Cleveland. <laughs> but you don't know, so you got to tune in and find out. <laughs> and the first inning tells you nothing because uh, against the Red Sox yesterday, Adam Duvall hits a three-run home run in the first inning. I quit mm-hmm. watching. I'm like, nope, not doing this to myself. <laughs> and they scored 15 <laughs> runs and went anyway.
3: Well, there you go. All right, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget John Moore coming up at 2 o'clock. Then Matt Mosley along with Drake Toll from 3 to 5. And then Matt and Aaron will finish it off from 5 to 6. It's all right here on ESPN Central Texas. For Aaron Sexton, I'm Ward Whites. Until next time, so long, everybody.
8: Sunday
6: afternoon, it's your Cowboys and the Arizona Cardinals live from State Farm Stadium on this Dallas Cowboys radio network station. Want to make $65,000 plus a year? You can. Let ATDS Truck Driving School help you get your Class A CDL with just 20 days of training. Text 254-829-1694 or visit their website, truckingschool.com to enroll for your CDL training today. Their next class
3: is up.